Johnson has become a, a third time over grandmother, and uh, um, their, her daughter Nicole um, gave birth this morning to Adeline Gray Robinson, six pounds and 12 ounces, and uh, we rejoice with her, and I know she's excited, and uh, uh, they're all excited. Uh, Josh says this is his third girl. I said, you're going to keep on trying. He says, I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, I'll be praying for you extra hard, Josh, because for three girls and one wife, I can't imagine what that house would be like. But uh, <laughs> it'll be blessed, I'm sure. Amen. <laughs> All the women say yes, amen, and the men say, oh, I don't know. Well, we're going to continue our series, Are You Fitting In? Today, we're going to do a, start a new series called, Are You Fitting In the Body? Are You Fitting In the Body? If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. I'll look at one verse here today, and then we're going to go to other verses from there. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. God has called us to be a part of the body of Christ. You know, I was thinking about our bodies, just our simple physical bodies. Do you realize how incredible and how awesome your body is? I mean, the more I study about the anatomy of our body that God has given to us, it blows my mind. And, and I can tell you, when you think about it, we only use, they say, less than 5% of our brain power. And it's amazing. Some of us are using more, and some of us are using a whole lot less. But anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. But uh, the, the incredible uh, body that God's given us is so awesome. I mean, you know, when God put it together, it, it, I mean, even when we afflict it with things that we shouldn't afflict it with, God in his amazing grace to us brings healing to those areas that we have abused in our lives. It's just, that's just how the body works and how, how God made it in such an incredible, awesome way. And I think of our bodies and how wonderful and how awesome they are. But they're not even in comparison to the body of Christ. The body of Christ that God has made each one of us a part of. And it's amazing to me that God has chosen us to be a part of his body, where Jesus Christ is the head and we each one individually are members of it. Isn't that incredible? That God has called us to be a part of his kingdom, of his body, of his family. Now, where all of this start? It started back in the very beginning in Acts chapter 2. I want you to have your Bible to flip back to Acts chapter 2. Go to the left if you were in 1 Corinthians. It's provided for you there on the screen. Remember, the, uh, Jesus has finished the work of salvation in the sense that he has paid the full price. He's, uh, he's gone to the cross. Uh, he's been resurrected from the dead. Uh, and He has come back, and for 40 days, he mingled among his people and revealed himself in his resurrected state. And now he's ascending back to the right hand of the Father. 
And before he goes, he gives his disciples some commands. He says, listen, go back into Jerusalem and wait there in the upper room until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when that happens, then you'll be given the instructions to go ye therefore. And so there they are waiting, and we know it's a waiting of 10 days. There's 120 of them there in the upper room. And then all of a sudden, there's this great sound that just comes, and, and man, it's heard all throughout Jerusalem. And the Bible says the power of the Holy Spirit come upon those 120 believers of Jesus Christ, and then they went out, and Peter, as their leader, stands up and proclaims this great message of salvation through Jesus. Jesus Christ. And he says in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 38, he says, And Peter, and after this, he proclaims this, and the Bible says that the people were convicted in their heart, and they were saying, Oh no, what must we do in light of our sinfulness, in light of our choice of, of having Jesus Christ being crucified? What is our part? What can we do now? Is there any hope for us? And Peter replied in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call, with many words he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation." Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow, here's the first church. Here's the first body of Christ has been formed. 3,120 of them have come together. And God has now instituted the church. It's an incredible mission that God's doing here. It's an incredible thing that God's doing because he's going to use this agent called the church and it's going to penetrate the whole world. He has no other agent to do it. He's not chosen Israel to do it. He's chosen the church to do it. What an incredible God. You see, the church can get in anywhere. You take Israel, they can't get, but just so far. There's some countries that they can't, you won't even, if you're a Jewish person, you can't even get in. And you see, God understood that. He knew the hatred of his people would come, but he had a plan, and his plan all along was to have a church, a church that he would use to build his kingdom and his honor and his glory forever and ever. God had a plan, and his plan was the body of Christ. He was going to use them in a great and mighty way. You see, all through Scripture you find that, that the people were identified in some way, shape, or form. Uh, oftentimes, even the scribes and Pharisees say, hey, we're, we're not a disciple of you, Jesus. We're a disciple of Moses. We're a disciple of whoever. We're a disciple of Apollos and Paul and so on and so forth. But when you come to this issue of the church, it's about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's about being connected 
to the body of Christ. That is the most important issue of your life. Are you connected to the body of Christ? Well, how did people know who you belong to? It would, it would go this way. Who are you a disciple of? You know, they would often say, well, I'm a disciple of John. And, and Jesus says, no, from here on, you are called by my name. You'll be called a disciple of Christ. Well, what is a disciple anyway? A disciple simply is this, is a transformed follower of Jesus Christ who is engaged in the purposes of God. Now, hear me when I say that. When you are become a follower of Jesus Christ, God transforms you from an old, selfish sinner. You see, I don't even, and the more I think about this, the more I process this in my own walk with God, I don't know that it's even a changed life as much as it is an exchanged life. I believe that God comes and gives us his life. And giving us his life, we give him our old life, and he takes care of that. Now we're living in a new life called Jesus Christ. As you are in Christ, all things have become new. Amen? They have become new. And in the process of that, God is, is making a follower of his that's going to be engaged with him in this world, in our home, and in the church. That's what God's doing. And you see, whatever God's doing, I want to be in on. Because I know that is going to last forever. I want to be connected to him. I want to be doing what he's called us to be doing. I want to be what he says we're to be. Now today, I want to lay a foundation today because I've got a lot of messages we're going through in this process. And, and I believe the next this series is going to transform us as a body here at Freedom Bible Church. And I pray you don't miss a one. And if you happen to have to miss one, they'll be online. And you need to be sure to listen to it because it's going to impact your life. The mission here at Freedom Bible Church is to what? To lead people to what? It upward, inward, outward impact through Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. Now, I believe if we're going to be an impactful church, there's some things that we must be. Uh, I'm a firm believer that we start with our being, not our doing. We spend too much time starting out with doing something without first knowing who we are, who we're called to be. Now, God calls us to be a certain type of people. In order for us to be an impactful follower of Jesus Christ, to be a part of the body of Christ that God desires, here's the first mark of that impactful church. If we're going to be the church God wants us to be, it starts with this. Number one is this, is that the lifeblood of Jesus Christ is the center of everything that we do. You see, it's his blood, his life that was shed on Calvary to forgive us all of our sins and be resurrected from the dead so that we can have a new life. 
God has taken care of your sin debt. He's taken care of your present situation, and he's taken care of your future situation. So therefore, our ambition in this life is to know God, is to know him and the power of his resurrection. That's what the Apostle Paul, here in the latter days of his life, his number one passion, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. What's Paul saying? He wants to know him more intimately. He wants to know him deeper. He wants to grow closer to him. He wants to draw nearer and nearer to the heart of God. That when God's heart beats, my heart beats. When God breathes, I breathe. That's the idea here. You see, everything starts in the church with Jesus Christ. It's his lifeblood that gives us life. You see, it's the first mark. Let me ask you, have you received the blood of Christ over your life? And I know that's probably not even a, a, a nice phrase to say in our modern times. I, don't talk about the blood. That just seems so gory. Well, I got news for you. I can't help but talk about the blood because it was the blood that saved the wretch like me. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ that set me free. And it's the blood of Christ that continues to set me free. It's the blood of Christ that forgave me of my past, is cleansing me today of my present, and is already taking care of my future. Ain't you glad? That ought to cause you to rejoice and praise his name. The question is this. Have you received him? As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to them that believed on his name. Receive him by believing in Jesus Christ for your only hope of salvation. You see, Jesus Christ lived a sinless, perfect life because why? God had to have a perfect sacrifice. In order for you to get to heaven, you must be 100% righteous. There is no 99%. I used to play a song on the radio called 99% Pure Love. I thought, well, that ain't so good. What happens to that 1% when it decides it's not going to be pure, right? But anyway, that's just an old country song. But God's love is 100%. And it satisfied a holy and righteous God that Jesus Christ lived a sinless, perfect life. He fulfilled the whole law. And then he become a substitutionary atonement for your sin, my sin, and for all the world who would believe on him. And the moment that you believe on him, that three days, that he went to the grave, he went to the cross and died for you in your place, and three days later he was raised from the dead so that you could be justified means this, to be made right with God. You will be declared righteous because why? You are in Christ. You're no longer in your old natural person, which was in Adam. Now God takes you out of Adam and brings you into Christ. And he says, I have made you into a brand new creation. If you'll receive him by believing on him and you will become a brand new person in Christ. Do you know him today? John said it this way. You must be born again. You must be born anew. Have you been born anew?
I'm not asking you, have you been religious? I'm not asking you, do you know about the religious doctrines? I'm asking you, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by which he has transformed your character, your values, and your life? It's him. Because when you have Jesus, he transforms your life. Old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new to the glory of Jesus Christ, the lifeblood of my life and the life of Freedom Bible Church. I want to encourage you today, if you don't know him, today is your day of salvation. But you see, in order for us to be the kind of church God wants us to be, it all starts with the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. Now, if we're going to continue to be an impacting follower, an impacting body of Christ, here's the second thing that we must continue to do is this. We must be a learning church. We must continue to be alerted. You see, I love in Acts chapter 2, it says this. They continually devoted themselves. And it goes through all the things that they continually devoted themselves to. And you're going to see this in every one of these points here today. You see, learning is not a one-time thing. Uh, I got salvation, so therefore, that's good for me. Now I'm going to go on and uh, live my life. No, you've missed the whole point of salvation. Because salvation, watch this, had you going this way, and now you're going this way. It, you were in control at this point, but now God's in control at this point. And now because he's in control, now I become his disciple. Watch this. I'm no longer my own. I've been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And now I must become a learning disciple continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, listen to me. I believe this with every ounce of energy in my body right now. If you hope to maintain your passion for God and make an impact in the world, you must regularly and consistently be committed to the study of the Word of God. There is no other way. You see, I, I saw a poll not long ago from Gallup. Gallup poll came out with a survey about Christian beliefs. And the consensus of this survey says that we are in a post-Christian age. Probably most of us in here are not shocked by that. They, the survey said only 50% of the people believe in God. Only 50% of the people believe in his word. Only 50% of the people believe in prayer or giving or even the Holy Spirit of God. Now, I have realized that most Americans cannot name, cannot name, what says, he goes on to say, most Americans cannot identify the names of the first four books of the New Testament. The first four books of the New Testament. Now, young people, I'm going to mess with the adults right here. I'm going to see if they know the first four books of the New Testament. You ready? Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. See, I just got you right there. See, young people, watch these adults now, okay? They'll be led astray in a minute. That's the Old Testament. Watch this. Young people, what are the New Testament? Matthew. Very good. See, you're not in the 50% now. You're better than that. Praise God. We're to be a learning people. Now, why is that? 
The, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all Scripture is what? Inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. You see what those verses say here? I'm just going to break it down real quick. It helps you to see what you're to be and what you're to do. What you are, are not to be and what you are not to do. That's what those verses stand for, okay? And God tells me that if I will get into his word, he will permeate my thinking, which changes my attitude and changes my appetites and changes my actions. That's what his word will do. It's God's word is good for so many things, but watch this. Let me just give you a few. I was thinking about a newborn baby this morning, Adeline Gray Robinson, six pounds, 12 ounces. You know what she's going to need in about two hours? Help. You know what she's going to need in another two hours? Help. You know what she's going to need in another two hours? You know what her mama's going to need in a couple two hours? No, no. <laughs> you see, watch this. Like newborn babes, the Bible says, long for the pure milk of the word so that you may grow in respect to your salvation. The longing of our hearts should be, the desire should be, I love your word, oh God. Your word is the delight of my heart. Your word is transforming me. Your word is good because it's my appetite. It helps me. It keeps me. It grows me. See, the word of God helps us to grow. The Word of God is good not only for growing, but it's good for guiding us. The Bible tells us that, that the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. The Word of God grounds us. Listen, we're in a day and age where every kind of wind is blowing everywhere, and we're being tossed to and fro. And the reason why is because we're not grounded in the Word of God. Listen, when, I, I, when you ground yourself in the Word of God, when the winds of this world come, and they're going to come, when those doctrines that are false come your way, and they're going to come, when those heresies hit you, you're going to know the truth, and you're going to be able to stand. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 1, he said this. He says, his or her delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He or she will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and whatever he or she does, he or she prospers. Wow. God's word will ground you. Hear me. When trials and troubles and tests and temptations and hardships come your way and believe me, they're going to come your way, the believer who is rooted in the word of God will not be moved. You can write it down and take it to the bank. I've watched every man of God, every woman of God who has grounded and rooted themselves in the Word of God. When life happens, and it happens, you find out what's really in here. That's why the Bible tells us and commands us. He told young Timothy this. He said, Timothy, study to show yourselves approved unto God. A workman needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, that's what God's called us to. 
Matter of fact, when Jesus told his disciples before he ascended to heaven, he says, go and make disciples. And he said, here's how you make disciples. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I promise you this, I will be with you until the day is over here on this earth. You'll be, I'll be, I'll be there for you. You see, the word disciple really means learner. We're all a disciple of Jesus Christ if you received him. But the question is, are you a learning disciple? It is important to realize that success or failure in the Christian life is dependent on how much of the Word of God you get into your hearts and your lives. And watch this, on a regular basis, and how obedient you are to what you're putting in there. I believe with everything in me, we're to be a continuing learning church. Well, we're going to impact our world. We're going to impact others for Christ. We must have the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. Second, we must be a learning church. Third, we must be a, what's this, a laboring church. A laboring church. I believe when you come to know Jesus Christ, this is the first thing that should happen. Because I believe the Bible teaches this. I was once a servant, a slave, watch this, a slave of sin. You may not like that word, but that's okay. It's biblical, okay? I was a servant of sin. And when I come to Jesus Christ, watch this. I'm still a servant, but I'm not a servant of sin no more. I'm a servant of Christ. And watch this. My attitude should be the attitude of Christ. What was Christ? God Almighty, enthroned in the heavens, at the right hand of God, left the portals of glory, the riches of all there is in heaven, and I can't wait to get there one day. And until then, he come down and took on the attitude, watch this, of a servant. He became a slave of God. That reminds me of this. This should be the attitude that we have. Once we realize that we're Christ, God, whatever it is you need of me, here I am. Use me. I'm your servant. You need me to serve in the children's ministry? Here I am, Lord, use me. You need me to clean commodes? Lord, here I am, use me. Lord, you need me to take out trash? Here I am, Lord, use me. Lord, if you need me to teach a class, here I am, Lord, use me. You see, it, it, it may God speak to you and say, I need to use you in the youth. Whatever it is, Lord, here I am, use me. He, he may want to use you as a greeter, as an usher, a, a, a worship team member. Listen, God is calling us to this mindset. We must labor as people who serve the Lord as servants of Christ. When we understand that we're all servants, we don't get our feelings hurt because we realize this, that I'm doing this not for you and not for him and not for her. I'm doing it for him. I am his servant, and therefore I've laid aside my own personal feelings so that the feelings of Christ could be felt and the feelings of Christ could be seen. That was a small amen there. We're to labor in our serving. Watch this. We're to labor in our witnessing. Let me ask you, you know why God's placed you in your job? Oh, preacher, you don't understand. There's laws against talking about Christ on your job. You know what's amazing to me? 
I walked through a uh, department store yesterday, and I was hearing this woman say this. She was an employee. All I got to say, woman, you better just give that to Jesus. That's all I got to tell you. I looked, and I said, she had a badge on her everything. I said, that's incredible. I go over to the other apartment, and I hear this other person. Oh, let me tell you what I did. I took that to Jesus, and let me tell you what Jesus was doing. And she's just testifying what Christ has done in her life. I'm sitting there thinking, that's what it's about. Wherever I go, wherever I am, I am to be his witness. The Bible says, go ye therefore. The word go means as you are going through life. And as I've said many times, going is a synonym for don't stay. In other words, we got to be about sharing our faith. You know, we spend too much time complaining about the world instead of going to the world and telling them the answer to their complaint is found in Jesus because Jesus is the only thing that will never change, the only thing that will resurrect your life. The only thing that will give you hope. We're laboring our witnessing. We're laboring our serving. But here's a biggie to me. If we're going to be the impacting follower of Jesus Christ, if we're going to be an impacting body of Christ, we must labor in prayer. I believe this with everything in my being today. The reason early Christians were so passionate in their faith and love for God was that they continued steadfastly in prayer. Prayer is simply this. It's relating to God and listening to God. Now, I want to make this point about prayer today. Prayer is not some mystical process whereby we call out to some force. Hear me. Nor is it some force with which we create things or speak them into existence, ordering God around like some kind of bellhop who art thou in heaven. Prayer, listen to me, is a dialogue. I have come to realize that prayer is simply this. It is a cry of helplessness. And the reason why the church is so impotent today is that we don't believe we are helpless. You know why your business is struggling the way it's struggling? It's because you will not believe that you are helpless to make it work. It's God Almighty. He's waiting on you to cry for his help, and he will show you his great power and his great glory because everything that why God made you as a new person in Christ was ultimately, watch this, not to build your business, but watch this, to glorify his name. He'll build your business in the process as you focus on glorifying his name. See, it's all about him. Everything's about him. I remember Dr. Jack Taylor said this about prayer. He said, prayer is weakness plugged into strength. I say amen to that. Prayer is saying, I can't, but you can, and plugging in to God's I will. Amen. See, prayer can accomplish so much, church, so much that I think that we miss out on. Prayer helps us grow in our spiritual knowledge of God. You see, I can't really know to understand the revelation of God unless I'm in this attitude of prayer. Listen, I read God's Word on a daily basis, and there's times I read it and I say, I don't understand God. You've got to give me insight here. I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense to me. And you know what he does? He helps me. 
He gives me the spiritual understanding that I need. And he will to you as well. Prayer transforms us. You know why prayer transforms us? Because simply this, when we pray, we're putting ourselves in his presence and letting him transform us. It's amazing to me. As I walk with God more and more, I'm realizing that prayer is more about getting into his presence. God, I'm in your presence. I mean, I'm just blown away. The great I am, I'm in your presence, and you hear me, and you, you receive me as your child. And watch this. You love me with an everlasting love. I hadn't got over that yet, and I never will. Prayer, watch this, helps us overcome worry and fear. Unfortunately, I believe that the church has, has a Ph.D. in worry and fear. And you know why we have a Ph.D. in that? Because we have an elementary school degree in prayer. See, the Bible tells us, do not be anxious for anything. Do not worry about anything. I know, I know, you don't understand, Pastor. The 11th commandment says, thou shalt worry. No, it does not say that. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything. With what? With prayer and supplication. With supplication, it's just a big word of supplying to God what you need. And with this attitude of thanksgiving, and what will happen? The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, we've, what often we forfeit in our life because we don't take everything to the Lord in prayer. Do you know that prayer is your spiritual weapon against trials and temptations and the attacks of the enemy? The warfare that's going on in your life that's trying to steal your joy, the way you're going to overcome is in the name of Jesus. You call out on his name and cry out to him, and he'll be your shield. He'll be your protector. He'll be your provider. That's who he is. Prayer keeps us walking in integrity. That's why John says if we confess our sins, how are you going to confess if you're not praying? Amen? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll keep you walking in integrity. That's what prayer does. You see, I believe there's one thing that could bring about revival in our nation. You ready? It's not another Bible study. It's not another preaching session. It's not another teaching session. There's only one thing. Prayer. You see, we're not lacking in knowledge, church. Matter of fact, the God of this age is knowledge. We think the answer is, I got to go read another book. People call me all the time. Tell me a book I can go read. B-I-B-L-E. But then get on your knees and ask him to give you enlightenment because you need him. You see, we try to do life apart from this, this relationship. See, religious people are not interested in praying. Religious people are just interested in doing. 
Praying is getting in a relationship of being in a relationship with God by which I share my heart. He shares his heart, and I receive, and I leave, and I obey what his word tells me. You know what can change a cold and lifeless, self-centered church? Prayer. You want a better preacher? God, I know you do. You better pray for me. That's all I can tell you. That's what I need. I stand today because I know there's so many of God's people praying for me. You see, we have failed to look at the power of prayer and the power of God. Let me just say this in in closing in this part. Since prayer is communication with your loving Heavenly Father, say whatever's on your heart. I want to get real, real with you right now. You ready? Tell Him everything that's on your heart. Tell Him your fears. Tell him your doubts. Tell him your dreams. Tell him your struggles. Tell him your lust. Tell him your jealousies. Tell him all of these things. You see, don't hesitate to share your needs. And watch this. Make specific requests in that process. Why not tell you make specific requests? You'll never know if God answers your prayer. If you don't specifically ask him, then how do you know that God answered you? And most of God's people just go through a religious exercise of just, I said a bunch of words, and now I leave, and now I go. And we miss God. And we don't even connect the two things. God wants you to know him. He wants you to experience him and to get the very best for him. Well, I have two more points, but... Time will not allow me to keep on because I'll have you here for a while. But um, I do want to bring us to this place. What is it in your life right now that you're struggling with? What is it? Is it your business? Is it a relationship? Is it a lust? Is it a fear? Is it a worry? What is it? Today, I want us to declare to God, God, I can't, I can't fix it, but I'm crying out to you in my helplessness that you can, and I'm going to let you. And I'm going to declare to you today, through the attitude of prayer, God, have your way. Have your way. May your perfect will be done. Let that be the call of our lives today. If we're going to be the church God wants us to be, we're going to be the church that depends on the lifeblood of Jesus Christ, that we continually are a learning church. And watch this. We're going to be a laboring church by which we are going to labor. One of the hardest areas we're going to labor in is prayer. You see, in order to see a child to be born into this world. Ask every woman that's ever given, given birth to a child. It's not an easy process. You got family members and friends that you know that don't know the Lord. The question is, do you really want them to be saved? How badly do you want it? Are you willing to stand in the gap, get on your face, and cry out on their behalf? You got a relationship, maybe with your mom, your dad, 
Maybe your spouse, maybe your children, that you just can't, you've tried everything you know to do, and you're at your wit's end. That's the greatest place you can be in if you turn to God. I don't know where you are today, but I want to encourage you, church. Let's take it to the throne of grace because he's waiting to give you his mercy. In our time of need, I don't know what your need is, but let's do business with God here this morning. Amen? I'm going to ask our praise team to come forward. I'm going to ask you to stand as we pray. The altar is going to be open here. I'm going to ask you, you just come and lay before God, or you can pray at the altar right there at your seat, wherever God leads you. Whatever you feel most comfortable with, just be obedient to God. Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I turn to you, O God, and ask of thee that you would show yourself as mighty. You would manifest yourself to each one of these requests that are about to go up to heaven right now. Lord, we declare your promise that if you, if we ask anything in your name, you hear us. And Lord, we know that we have what we ask of you because, Lord, we're your child and we ask according to thy will. Oh God, have your way. Lead us now, Lord, as the throne of grace is made available to each one of us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.